Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Wave Break Podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. Listen, in uncertain times, you need to be supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be shared. And in good times and bad, this type of communication that's open and empathetic with your customers is key. This is a key theme that we've been talking about at Waybreak. I've been preaching this on the podcast. And when you're communicating with your customers in this way, the best way to do this is with email. It is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering communication like this. And what I love about Klaviyo is that email is one of its core offerings. And their personalization that you can do inside Klaviyo is just, it can't be beat. And when you leverage that personalization driven by a 360 degree view of the customer, these emails are going to feel more relevant and they're going to drive even stronger relationships. And Klaviyo gets it. They're not just, you know, some company. They understand how challenging it is right now for every entrepreneur. You know, it was hard to get your business off the ground and navigating these times is even harder. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, know that you're not alone. Klaviyo is here to help you build relationships across any distance for your brand and create memorable and meaningful email marketing moments that last a lifetime. And that's how you build a successful e-commerce brand. And this is why I love Klaviyo so much, because they're on the same page with me and Wavebreak. is like, we're not just about making more revenue. That's great. But what this is really about is an opportunity to create an amazing community with your customers. And the best way to do it is with email. And if you're not on Klaviyo, you got to get on Klaviyo. Visit Klaviyo.com to schedule a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-O. IYO.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast, Leading Brands, where we go behind the scenes with exactly that leading brands. We cover everything from marketing to product to e-commerce, direct to consumer, and so much more. New episodes every single Monday. And today we've got a great one for you. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO at Waybreak. Waybreak is a boutique agency specializing in best-in-class email and SMS marketing. It's no secret that customer loyalty is incredibly important. But what is surprising is how many brands lack best-in-class email and SMS marketing, especially as we get into the most important quarter of the year for your brand, you need to be dialed in when it comes to your email and SMS marketing. If you're looking for a partner to help you take it to the next level, you can learn more about partnering with Wavebreak by visiting us at wavebreak.co and scheduling a call. Link is down in the show notes below to learn more. Today on the show, I'm joined by Jordan Harper, founder and CEO of Barefaced. Jordan started the brand with no experience and no capital. And today, the brand is among the fastest growing in skincare, boasting an incredible 90% customer retention rate. In this episode, we cover exactly how Barefaced has achieved that. We talk about starting from scratch, kickstarting the brand with $0 and 0% interest credit cards, the brand's approach to products, and why every product must be best in class. And we talk about organic growth through education, the step-by-step playbook that Bareface used to double revenue every year since the brand was founded, even without traditional marketing. They only launched traditional marketing this year. There's a lot to learn from this episode, especially when it comes to brand strategy in general and retooling your brand and refocusing it for the future so that it can be as successful as possible. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Jordan, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yes, happy to be here. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to dive in. Bareface has been growing fast and um, you know, you have a lot of innovative products, so excited to get into it. But first things first, um, you know, I know you you've been on a ton of podcasts, but for the people who aren't familiar with you and your story, if you could just quickly get us up to speed, I think that'd be a great place to start. Yeah. So I am a nurse practitioner and never intended on starting a business. <laughs> That's a big part of my story. And I was treating patients in office for about five years, just listening to patients. I was in a uh, plastic surgeon's office, uh, cosmetic dermatology, all kind of in the aesthetic space. And so my focus at the time was treating patient skin and treating doing injectables. And so I would see patients a lot for Botox, filler, lasers. And uh, what I found was, is that they were willing to invest in these office treatments, wanting to, you know, improve their skin, but they didn't have a solid skincare routine. And it wasn't because they weren't willing to invest in the skincare routine. It's because they didn't know what to do. And so I think that I started to see the trend that this skincare is confusing. And if you know anything about skincare, I'm not sure, but 80%. So, you know, everyone wants glowing, healthy skin. And especially now, like social media, Zoom, people are really in tune with like what they look like because we're seeing ourselves all the time. And so they were willing to invest in the skincare routine. They just didn't know what to do. And so I started seeing this trend where, you know, people want to have healthy, glowing skin. They just didn't know what to do. And there was very little, like, clear, concise education about it. So I started just educating about it on social media, purely just to, like, help my patients and provide a little bit of uh, space where they could ask questions. So from that, I started to grow a pretty large uh, social media following, just posting tips. And it was really, like, solving a problem. I was seeing, you know, seeing everyone ask these certain questions and so solving a problem. And so from there, I started to realize, okay, I'm having to create routines that, you know, are 10, 12 products. And I was like, okay, skincare is already confusing. How can I simplify it? And so I started working with a chemist, just being in the industry. I found a uh, chemist that I connected with and I started just asking questions again, not planning on starting a business. And then when I realized a lot of these brands release products, they, they have this like cycle where they need to keep like a level of interest and hype in their brand. And so they're just releasing products to have extra products in their line. And probably a lot of that is just based on, you know, whether it's they have a lot of investors that are controlling that, you know, and that's part of their yearly cycle. All that to say is I was like, hold on, I want to simplify this, make really effective products, but try to make them so they're, you know, in the least, uh, having the least amount of products. And so that's where this whole thing kind of started. Again, I don't have any business experience or any money. So, you know, two big problems, but it turns out you can do learn a lot from google.com. So if anyone tells you you need to get an MBA, you know, I'm a testament that you do not. Um, so then I just started, I did a pre-order on my Instagram. I did a pre-order to, and then I took out a 0% interest credit card. I had no clue to even like reach out to an investor. I didn't even know that process. And again, I think that's like a, a healthy blind spot, you know, where sometimes you just like, a barrier to entry. And I have a lot of people ask me, you know, like, how did you know how to get investors? I was like, no, I didn't. And I didn't even think to do that. I just knew, okay, I can put $5,000 on a 0% interest credit card and then figure out, okay, I can like pay for this much of the project, do pre-orders for the rest, and it can cover that first round of production. And so then that's pretty much the story. And I spent uh, the first year really just every order was a pre-order and then pouring all of that back into the business. And that's essentially kind of how it grew. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to ask how you how you solved those problems, but Google and credit cards and pre-orders yes. initially. 
Yep. Love Google it. and credit cards. <laughs> yeah. What was the uh, what was what was the initial product? Like, did you launch multiple products or you could only afford to launch one at the time? So you started the initial one, one was our toning pads and they're still our okay. bestseller. And something else that uh, was really was unintentional, but really drove a lot of hype for the products was that they kept selling out because we couldn't buy a lot. And so they kept selling out. So the toning pads are still our like best selling product. And I remember a friend of mine who is background in marketing about a year after we launched, she was like, I just want to let you know, that was so smart of you to keep selling out the toning pads when you <laughs> launched. And I was like, well, the good thing is, is that happened, but that wasn't smart of me. Like I didn't mean for that to happen. I was pretty stressed that they kept selling out because the thing with skincare is you want to be consistent. So it's not right. like a shirt, you know, it's like, okay, I just won't wear the shirt today. Well, if you're not using your skincare consistently, then you're just not going to see results and your skin's going to kind of like regress a little bit. So I was pretty stressed that we couldn't stay in stock because people would start using it and then they would have to take breaks. Um, and then that kind of defeats the whole purpose, but, but yeah, that was a really, really big, uh, like demand driver because the supply just wasn't there. Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, no, I think it's a great product too. I feel like we all grew up with like similar products. And then like, as you start to become more aware about certain ingredients and you're looking on the back, you're like, what's actually in this? And like, why is it actually stinging my face and making yeah. it red or, you know, whatever. So I think that was a great product to start with. And so after you launched with that product, what did it look like growing from there? You mentioned like those first two years, you were just kind of like trying to make it happen. Obviously today you have an entire team in place. You have an entire product catalog. Like what happened after that? So at this point, it's me and I had a medical assistant that was helping me. And this was, she was mostly just helping me in office. And then she quickly pivoted to, you know, being a customer service uh, representative because we were getting like just questions and emails about the product. So I really grew the company as I could afford to hire more people. And so at first that just meant, and, and I think this is another reason too. I I have, I know everything about, I'm not a control freak. I'm actually not a micromanager, but I know everything about the brand and I know everything about like all the different systems we have in place because we have, we have grown very slowly, but very intentionally. So like, I know, you know, it's like, I'm not some, I'm not a CEO of a business that has no clue, like how to do basic stuff in our, I know how to run our Shopify. I know how to do our warehouse facility. I know how to enter the orders. And so I think that also helps because I can still be a resource for our team. And I also have a pulse on like the areas that we need to, you know, button up in the areas that we need to, uh, you know, create more systems for. So I was really intentional about hiring as we could afford it, because again, this is bootstrapped. So it's like, I need to make sure. And so I didn't even know I was not even paying myself a salary, which I don't recommend because if you ever want to buy a house and you don't have a salary, you can't. I know that from experience. Uh, so anyways, that's kind of how we grew. And so we kind of just hired as the needs were there and as we could fulfill them. Otherwise I was just, you know, everyone was just wearing like a typical startup, wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And like, you know, just thinking through the growth side, like in, in having to sell more product, what, um, like at what point did you have to go from, you know, promoting the product yourself to your own audience to really starting to think about marketing too? So, you know, actually we, this is, we're entering our fourth year in business and we're just at that place because, oh, wow. yeah. And I think that, but we've continued to grow really steadily year over year. I think we've had like my e-com manager could pull these exact, exact numbers, but you know, like we're doubling pretty much every year since we've launched. And this is the first year we've ever done any paid ads, any paid marketing. Uh, but what we did was, and I think this is 
why the brand has been successful is we've always focused on serving, not selling. And so that's just giving back with, with skincare education and with tips. And we never try to sell. If anything, I just told our team this yesterday. We never, I would rather someone want to buy. We're never trying to convince them. I don't want to convince someone to buy my product. You know, it's like, these are, this is the education behind the product. This is what we know that it does. You need to do what's right for you. You know, we're kind of just, we, we really focus on transparency and not sell. Like, I personally don't want to be sold to, you know, I want to know, I want to be presented with the information and then decide, okay, that's a product I want to try. I don't want to feel like this company is pushy and trying to sell me stuff because that makes me not want to trust them. And I think what we did was we focused on serving, not selling. And all of our referrals were organic because we were just, we were in there just with, we weren't using a lot of influencers. We weren't using, we were just dealing with regular people and it was really powerful. So whether they were sharing it on their own social media, which is also a lot more believable than an influencer, uh, whether they were sharing it with their friends and family, because we have a lot of uh, customers where, you know, their mom will start using the product uh, and will start following along. And our our philosophy on our social is that they can find value from us, whether they ever buy anything from us or not. So we're we're providing value as a social media platform for skin tips and different, mostly skin tips and like, you know, how to use skincare and that kind of stuff. So that way, like, we're not just like promoting our product all the time. We're trying yeah. to be like helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how you haven't even had to focus on marketing till now. Um, and I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense too. like, just be like offer valuable information and then people will buy. I think like as you know, once you get into like business owner mode or like, you know, marketing manager mode, you think like, oh, I have to convert people. I have to drive revenue, even though like it works exactly like you're saying, like you have to educate first and then people will just naturally buy. But everybody else is just trying to like shove products, you know, mm -hmm. down everyone's feed. So like, how do you like, what does that look like in terms of, um, you know, the educate, like, are people just, you know, naturally navigating to barefaced after interacting with your content or the brand's content? Or like, how do you tie both together? So like, yes, you're educating, but at the same time, the brand is growing. And like, what does that look like? We're, we do something called edutainment. Because education, like people don't like school for a reason because it's boring, right? <laughs> and so it's like, we're trying to educate and make it enjoyable. And so again, going back to like solving the problem, keeping like that main thing, the main thing. And so I pretty much all the content, and obviously we talk about our product on our Bareface page, but all of our content and all of our messaging, whether it's from social platforms or email goes through the lens of, you know, like how is this adding value to someone's, think about how many emails we get. Like, how can we add value in our email? Um, we don't ever want to be like bothering people. And so I'd rather send the first two years, we didn't even send one marketing email because I, I didn't know what to say, <laughs> you know? And I was like, there's nothing worse than just being annoying in the emails. And at that point we had over a hundred thousand emails, emails to send out to, but we just never sent them out because I just, I was like, we'd, I'd rather have clarity on what we're going to say and making sure we're adding value. And if we don't, we just don't send something. So yeah, I think I there's think a lot of intentionality great. there. Like we're not like following this formula. That's like every day we have to do X, Y, Z. Like if we don't have something valuable to post on our platforms, then like one, we need to reassess and get ourselves together. And, or we just don't need to post. We don't need to be like that annoying brand. <laughs> right. I mean, we've all seen like the big conglomerate owned brands on social media. It's like the same studio shoot. Yeah. images over and over again. And like to your point earlier, where you, you you talk about how you're like connected to the brand, even like down to the Shopify store itself. It's like, 
these brands launch products that you talk about, you know, just for growth. And I think part of it is like the disconnect from the consumer. Like at that point, the brands are just so big where it's like, you're in your role, your goal is to launch X new products. They should be hot and trendy. And then like, that's kind of it. But like the CEO doesn't even have beauty experience. They're coming mm -hmm. from some like outdoor brand or maybe even just private equity itself. And, um, you know, you get into, you, you lose touch with the consumer. And then like, that's when, you know, a new brand like Barefaced will come up and, you know, do really well, like you're explaining, like, how do you, I mean, you know, your background, I think is perfect for this, but like now that you're building out the team too, like, how do you think about content and you called it edutainment? I love that too. Like, how do you think about that now that the team is growing and, you know, the brand is growing? How do you, how do you keep that going and like still add structure to it now that you're, you know, it's not just you anymore posting, posting these videos. Yeah. So the biggest thing that we did as we were building out the team was because we don't need a lot of medical, medically trained people to medically trained like professionals to answer skincare questions. We just need a handful, but we also want to make sure we're all saying the same thing. So we created a medical uh, skincare library and it, we pulled from all the content I've ever created, whether it was like on my blog or on our social platforms. And then it, that was like an undertaking. But then after that undertaking, it, there's a lot of clarity, whether if our e-com manager wants to make an email, she will get it approved because I always want to make sure education is always like at the forefront that we're providing, you know, factual education. And so she'll get it approved, but she already has the basis and the bones of it from our skincare library. So if she knows, Hey, we're educating on retinoids this week. Let's see how, what can I, you know, what can I pull of interest? Because there, there is something to be said too. someone with a marketing mind is also going to know what is more interesting. And like, there's a piece of that where sometimes I'm so deep into skincare that I focus on something that I think is interesting because I'm really into it. But then like the normal person's like, hmm, that's, that's, that's a little bit over my head here. Like, I just need to know like, you know, X, Y, Z. And so that's where I feel like having this, uh, having our partners where one has a medical background and can give like that factual education that can provide clarity, but the other one's like, no, that's not interesting. Let's figure out something else. So there's that, you know, that teamwork aspect where we have to communicate. And that's actually really fun uh, to figure out because we want to, again, always be solving problems. And I think what you were saying earlier too, like we're so close to our consumer, we are direct to consumer and we have been asked from different platforms to do wholesale. And I want to protect the brand integrity, like so much that, you know, I'm not saying we won't ever do it, but right now we know exactly what our customer's thinking because they contact us directly. They're not contacting a third party and we can't kind of figure that out. We know exactly what they're thinking, what, uh, what they like about the product, what kind of products they want to see in the future. And so every time we launch a product, we know it's not like we're just blindly like, hope this works. You know, like we know this is something that our customer's interested in. And it, and that's why when I took out the credit cards back in the day, I didn't do that with like living on a prayer or flying by the coattails or whatever that phrase is. I did that. Like I knew what the, I knew what they wanted. I just didn't have the money to do it. So that's why I was like, this is not like a risk. I mean, everything's a risk to an extent, but I know this is a, a need and I know this is a want. And so this is just bringing something to fruition, listening to what they're saying and then solving that problem for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I feel like, you know, it's really smart of you to think that way because it's easy to get caught up when you launch a brand like, oh, X retailer wants us. And that's the win. But really, the real win is building a brand with as much customer loyalty as possible by understanding the customer as closely as possible and just like making great products. I think we saw that in like the direct consumer era 
of like, you know, the last decade where it's like a brand will just like, you know, slap good marketing and good design on a product that's like just okay and not really innovative. And, um, you know, look at those brands today. Like they're at risk of being delisted from the stock exchange and, you know, going bankrupt and selling for pennies versus, you know, building a brand the hard way, which is the right way, which is exactly what you're talking about. Like, how, how do you think about building? Like, it sounds like you've been really intentional about growth. Like, how are you thinking about continuing to build the brand from here? It's interesting because as we've continued to grow um, as a brand, we're offered more opportunities, which is a blessing and a curse. And I think there's a phrase I recently heard, and it's like, focus on what matters, not what flatters. And I think it's very enticing to want to, like we see a lot of these like cool brands. It's like, wow, they're at this event or they're throwing this or they're doing that. And it's like, does that matter? Is that, is that not only is that a you know financial resource to invest in these different events, it's also a time resource of your team. And so where are the ways that in the social social media age, and I love this age because that's why we exist, but there's also that temptation to focus on like flexing, right? It's like to flex, right. like, what are you doing? Where are you? And to me, it's like, I just want to focus on the normal people. Like majority of people are not like the people that we're seeing on social media. And so again, focusing on, I don't, what matters, not what flatters. And I feel like I kind of go through this lens where all these different opportunities are if you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to X, Y, you're saying no to also a lot of things. So there's not, our goal is to simplify your skincare routine and keep the main thing, the main thing. And so being able to achieve those things using less, but better products. And I feel like we spent the last six months, well, actually, sorry, the first six months of the year looking to acquire a company to complement our product line. And it was a, it was something I was really excited about at first, but again, I had to run it through this lens of like, this is going to be a distraction from our current product line, focusing on that. There, it, it could, it wasn't adding enough value. It was like taking away. So ultimately, like, it was it a good opportunity? Yeah. Was it a great opportunity? No. So it's like, I, I do feel like I have a, a strength of mine is like from a vision perspective, processing like what matters for the to to move us in like the forward like forward growth. Uh, and what can like deter us and distract us. And I don't always get that right, but I do feel like I have a, my site's pretty clear with that. And so I would say like, we're not trying to go wide. We're trying to go deep. Yeah. And I think it's like, we're not trying to add complexity. We're trying to, we all suffer from decision fatigue. We're trying to like get rid of complexity, but just go wide with our existing product line and continue to just reach, you know, more people, not so much like change our product and change our like mindset. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense. It's so easy as you build and scale a brand to get distracted and like lose touch of like that, whatever core philosophy was behind the brand in the first place. I feel like a lot of brands have been thinking about that over the last year too, since like things are changing, the market is changing and it's just like, okay, we're kind of like back to reality after, you know, certain bumps in the market and, um, you know, being able to have that to rely on to like guide your vision, I think is really really underrated. And I know all the best founders do it, but it can be so distracting when, you know, certain retailers or even I was chatting earlier on the podcast with uh, a clothing brand and they're like, yeah, like the NBA came to us. They're like, Hey, you want to do a deal with us? And it's like, Oh, that's so cool. And then they're like, wait a minute, the, (laughs) the amount of money we're going to have to spend on this. And for it to like, it's like, we're better off just like literally recording our own TikTok for the next 
you know, whatever, like just taking out and making TikToks. And it, and it's like so true. And it's so hard to do or like the music festivals. And it's like, does that really translate into revenue? Or I was talking with the Waterboy founder as a hydration company a few weeks ago. And they're yeah. like, yeah, we bought a truck in Vegas with our logo on it. We shouldn't have <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but it's so hard because it's music like, oh, festivals was awesome. just presented to us too. And we turned, oh, nice. we, it's not a, we're not going to do it, but like, it's something where it's like, I, I want to be thoughtful about this. You know, like you want to be thoughtful from like, is this going to help enough right. with the brand awareness? But it's like, no, when I'm going to a music festival, I'm not looking at what brands are there. It, you know, like that sounds yeah. cool, but I mean, for us right now, that doesn't make sense, but yeah, it's interesting. And I, I read two books that have been really helpful, like with mindset and everything. And good to great is one where he talks about you know, the, the brands great or good to good to great brands don't die from like lack of opportunities. They die from like seizing too many opportunities and it muddles their message and like it muddles their message internally and externally. So their team is confused and the customer gets confused. And so then they just move on. And then, um, essentialism, which I highly recommend. I read it every year. Um, and it just said, you know, it's really reinforces the importance of saying no. And how like your effort can like 5X if you focus on one thing, but it can only, you know, 1X if you're focusing on the tiny little, you know, 10 different things. This episode of Leading Brands is brought to you by Adnaboo, the only app you need for advertising your Shopify store. If you are looking for affordable ways to reach new customers, Adnaboo could be the solution. Adnaboo offers the convenience of managing shopping ads across various online platforms like Google Shopping, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and more with a single app. What sets Adnaboo apart? It's innovative AI technology. It optimizes your product listings to generate more sales for your store. Powered by the same language models fueling ChatGPT, its AI tech generates the most effective strategy for each marketplace in real time, saving merchants like you the hassle of hiring experts and giving you more time to focus on growing your business. I highly recommend you reach out and schedule a demo because it could take work off your plate while growing your sales. And as a listener of Leading Brands, you can enjoy an exclusive offer of 20% off all paid plans with the coupon code LEADINGBRANDS20. To learn more about how Adnaboo can work for your brand and to get this offer, visit adnaboo.com. That's A-D-N-A-B-U.com. Link down in the show notes below, adnaboo.com slash leading brands. Like I said, it will be linked down in the show notes below. Highly recommend you check out Adnaboo and see what it can do for your business. Yeah. And it's funny. It's like, we want to make everything complex. Even like when we listen to podcasts or like people listening to this, it's like, what's the specific tactical advanced way you are doing X, Y, yeah. and Z. When really, even us talking here right now, it's like actually just simplify your strategy. What is the one thing you really want to focus on and be great at and do that? For some reason, it's not as fun or cool to talk about or listen to. No, but like if you actually harder. did this, that's all you need. Yeah, and, it's not um, glamorous. Yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly yeah. like what you said. I, I, I had another founder uh, a few years ago now on, on the show and they were expanding their product line into like, you know, every kind of... um it was a uh, like a men's care brand. So they went from like one product to everything. And he was like, it was the worst thing we ever did. He's like, we just axed everything, just focused on that. And their revenue has grown like 10 times since then. And it's so true because it's so hard because you want to say yes to everything and saying hard is so no, like you're saying. But then you also never become known for everything if you're trying to do everything. Yeah. And it is that fight. And I, I feel like, you know, it's underrated how far you can take just like being the best for X. Yep. Yep. And that's, I feel like what we've focused on, like we're trying to be 
the core products in your routine. And so our products are focused on being results driven, you know, changing the skin. Like these are the products that you're investing in for long-term skin health. Now, if you want to use like a fun mask or a fun serum, that's cool. Like that's great, but that's not what our product line is for. It's for like, you know, the core products in your routine. They're like, we, the main ones that we, the, our most and our best selling products are like the core four products, which is sunscreen and exfoliant and SPF and, a, or, sorry, a vitamin C and an, um, a retinoid. And these are like four products that all skin types need for healthy skin. And then like, yeah, if you want to add on to your, you know, do masks or do that, that's great. But like, that's what we want to be known for is like the foundation of your skin, because our goal is more like long-term skin health instead of that instant gratification. But yeah, so, and that, really aligns with less, but better, keeping it simple. And so it's interesting. I, I have a friend who's a founder of a, a food product line and they cut 78 SKUs and they've grown three, three X. Wow. Just cut. She's like, just cutting, cutting, cutting. Cause then you're just focusing on what matters, but it is, it can be really distracting and it takes a lot of time too to vet opportunities. Cause right. you're like, you know, you don't want to turn there's, you have to also see opportunities and which ones make the most difference. Right. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like, for example, you know, you mentioned this, like, um, what is that? The music festival opportunity. I don't know if that's actually a good example to go into. If you have a better one, we go into that. But like, how do you, because it is, you have to say yes to get to the next level. Um, but to get to that one, yes, that's going to get you to the next level. You might have to say yeah. no hundreds of times. Well, okay. So let's just do the music example, music festival one, because this is, this is my process. So at first it's like, that's cool. Like I've been to Coachella. That's, that'd be such a flex to be at Coachella. Yeah, like how it cool would that so be? great on Instagram. Yeah. I'd be like, man, that's so cool. Or like stagecoach or whatever. And yeah. so, uh, so at first you're like, and I get, I love getting excited. I love like this whole concept. So it's like, wow, that's so cool. But I never, you know, I get excited, but then I always have this like process. And so it was like, okay, well, then we, then once we vetted, like who comes to these things, you know, like, because our clientele is about 99% female and our demographic is probably around 25 to 50 plus, but like, we're really in that, I would say the sweet spot is probably like in the 30 range. Um, and so, so then how much of that demographic is in our typical age range? And we want, I mean, we can sell to anybody, but just, we are a medical grade skincare line, meaning it's uh, a little bit more expensive than just like a drugstore product. So typically it's like we have a little bit of an older demographic than like, you know, college. Uh, and so, and then as I was like, well, we as a brand are very focused on intentionality, um, routines, and just overall wellness. And I was like, does that make sense for us to be at a place where everyone's like drinking? and like wasted, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that fits. Like, I don't know if that aligns with who we are. Like I like listening to music and it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy that as individuals, but I don't think that aligns with like who are, what our brand message is. And, you know, we like sunscreen. So that makes sense. You know, they're out in the sun, we can help you out with sunscreen, but it's like, I don't feel like people are in the space to meet us where we are because we're not for everybody. And we need to be with people who are also like have that. So maybe out of that demographic, what is that? 5% of people who are in that mindset. And are they in that mindset at that time? Probably not. So it's like running through that after we get through, this is cool. Then how is this going to be like a value add for our business or for our existing customer? Yeah, that's a great point. What's ironic is I just looked it up. The 2023 headline sponsor of Coachella was Neutrogena. <laughs> There you go. And Adidas. 
Um, which is hilarious. It's like, yeah, yeah, how do you put two and two together? I, I think the real winner is, you know, a company like Red Bull, who they're going to be there no matter what. Like you just expect Celsius. them to be there. Yes. Yeah, Celsius. They had a great yes. collab this year with them. I thought that was smart. That Waterboy um, company probably would have been good. Yeah, I think they're working up to that. Drink companies kind of like, I understand that. Right. Sunscreen, I can understand too, but it's like, that's just a different, I you know, I, I went to Coachella probably when I was 25, but I just don't think, it's just doesn't for us right now. And I'm not saying we're never going to do a festival, but like where we are right now, I don't think that makes sense. So it makes sense for us to be like in a wellness retreat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or even just like, well, like, I don't know if you can, we didn't talk exact uh, festival, but then like, what, what do the packages even look like for something like that? I'm just curious, like roughly, I don't know if you can share anything. I think I can. I, well, I mean, I, I think, I'm sure remember, if you reach, I no, I remember, but I, I think they're like, it depends on the package. You know, if you only want to be like, what tier you want to be at, do you want to have like a, how much space do you want to have? But I think they run between, I want to say like half a million to a million. And, and depends like on how long, the, probably even more. Yes. And it depends how long, like, and that's just to like secure the space. I don't even think that that's not like the build out. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's like, just to be like on their lineup. Snapchat and then filter also, not included. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, what's the ROI going to be? What's the ROI going to be on this? Like investment, yeah. uh, which you can't really, you won't really know, but yeah, I think it all depends on, you know, the, the level that you're showing up, how many days it is. So that means, you know, how many eyes you're going to have. So it's definitely yeah, a commitment. It's not something you just bat your eye at. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, no, but I think that's a great example of like, you know, it would look really cool. Everyone's going to post it. It's going to be there. I've been there. And then it's like, wait, is this is this really the best bet? And that's so hard to say no to. But, you know, I want to talk more about like what you're saying yes to. So like as you continue to scale the brand over the next year or so, like what's what's on the radar? Are you launching more products? Are you dedicated to to, you know, focusing on the existing products? Um, what is, what does that all look like? So when we, um, before we even start to like, think about another, adding another product to our product line, we have like a filter as well. So I always want to make sure we're bringing something that's either going to be best in class or innovative. And if I don't feel like we're doing that, then we won't. And so for example, that's why we carry other medical grade lines. So you'll see if you go to our site, we don't have a cleanser, we don't have an eye cream. And we actually started formulating eye cream when we were formulating our original product line. And it had gone so far, like we had picked packaging, we had kind of invested in the formulation. And then we were probably about four months away from like launching it. And then I just, I like trust a lot of my gut intuition. I was like, this product, I... I do not feel like I can sit sit here and say this product is best in class. And I so I don't want that on one, I don't want that on my own conscience. And I don't want that on our brand because I want to make sure if we are launching stuff that our existing customer base, future customer base trust that like I know this product is going to, you know, whatever it is, do X, Y, and Z for my skin. And so we pulled that product and we've we're still playing around with a couple different ones. So best in class and innovative are two like lenses. And so I have another eye cream that I feel like is incredible and it does that. And so I don't need to add more confusion to the industry, just bringing a product on to bring a product on that has our name on it. I'd rather make sure, you know, I don't want to be a copycat brand either. I feel like that doesn't, that's not exciting. And maybe that's like a person, maybe I should as a business, maybe we should have a cleanser because it like completes the line. But I just feel like if we have one that does that we think is best in class right now until we can create one that's better then we just won't. And so for when I say yes to things like right now we're launching the first uh women's shave oil and we're introducing a concept called oil planing and I don't know if you knew this 
Dylan, but women shave their faces. And if they don't, they should. So spread the word. Uh, and so this is something where, and I don't know if you've seen uh, or heard of this concept, but you use like a little razor and uh, it's not like a razor that you like shave your legs with. It's actually for facial shaving. And so it can be really irritating on dry skin. So we, I have been shaving my face for probably like, I don't know, 15 years. And I have posted about it numerous times. I've thousands of people have like messaged me about it over the past probably 10 years, patients, et cetera. And the biggest complaint was like dryness, sensitivity, irritation. And there's no nothing really that's formulated for women to shave their face with. So you're just shaving on dry skin. So we've just formulated an oil that's specifically made to shave your face with to eliminate and or alleviate all these different issues. And so that's like a product that we're launching actually like in the next couple of days. So by the time this goes out, it'd be great. As far as other products, it's something that we're pretty selective about because again, we're not trying to add like confusion to the industry. But my biggest thing right now is I, as a brand, we have about a 90% returning customer rate and which is uh industry standard in the skincare industry is about 25%. Yeah. That's and insane. Yeah, it's it, and I just found this out this year, which is so funny that I, we just never like dug in analytics or like insights. We were just like <laughs> so focused. It's like you, I love it's like it. you didn't even have the time. Yeah, we were just like focusing I on. I think that's how it happens, right? It's not yeah. like, hey, here's how to here's how to improve your customer retention. It's like we we can't talk about that. You just focused on the customer, you focus on the customer. yourself, and make yep. great products, and then people will buy them. Um, yep. which I think is the right and approach. Customers know when you're like our kind of message is you know, we should make our one customer feel like they're our only customer. We there's a million places people can buy skincare. And so like we are so appreciative that they choose to like trust us to buy skincare from us. And so we need to like live up to that expectation that they have of us. And that way we like continue to serve them. And we have a lot of people that will email us and ask for a routine that maybe we don't even sell that product, but we'll still recommend it because we want to be their resource so that whenever they have a skincare question, they're like, why well, no bareface is gonna like tell me the truth. And so that way ultimately when they're ready to maybe buy a product from us, maybe they buy it from us or maybe they never do, but maybe they tell someone else. It's like, you can never go wrong with serving people, whether they like buy from you or not. You're going to just build that like level of trust and like authenticity. So I don't know if I answered your question. What what was it? Well, no, I was just asking like, you know, how you're thinking about continuing to ex- ex- expand the product line oh, yeah. and what that looks what like and how yes you approach to. it. Yeah. And so I would say the biggest the biggest thing that we're like focused on is reaching new audiences. And so right now we're growing, but we're our returning customer rate is probably the bulk of what we sell, which is great. It should be because once people start using it, they then continue to use it. I think that's a real testament to the products. And I think also the education on how to use the products, because the biggest thing is people just hop around skincare lines and try a bunch of different stuff. But when they start using it in the way that it's intended to use, and for the right products for their skin type, and they start seeing results, then they're going to be consistent with it. So I would say the biggest thing that we're trying to focus on is being the same, keeping the main thing, the main thing, and just getting exposure to more people. And that's where like, that's why we started doing marketing this year, because it was like, and paid ads and different things like that, because we just need to get more eyes. We know like the product stands, you know, can stand out and speaks for itself. We just need to now like, get in front of more people. And so it's actually kind of nice because it's not like we feel like we have to reinvent ourselves. We just have to keep being ourselves, keep putting our customers first, but just reaching more people. 
Yeah, I think that's a great approach. And when you look at some of the most successful brands of the last like two decades, they've kept it simple. Like you look at the liquid IVs and the Nutrafols, it's like they have like four SKUs and yep. they're selling for, you know, insane valuations to, well, they both sold to the same company, but you know, I, I think of that and it's like, even like Gatorade, it's like Gatorade is just Gatorade. Red Bull is yeah. just Red Bull. Granted, they have their variations, but it's like, you know, Red Bull is an energy brand, you know, Gatorade is, you know, an athletic hydration company. And yeah, I think that yeah, makes so much point. sense. Same to, same to your point of like, you know, should I be a copycat? It's like, well, I think you should keep doing what you're doing and focus on the consumer because, you know, especially all the brands at scale, they're all just kind of copying each other anyway. They're like, oh, so-and-so has this and everyone's just chasing each other's tail. And then as a result, like, they're, you know, the customer's like, hey, I'm over here. They're on bareface Instagram yeah. or TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Actually getting educated. I think your 90% customer retention rate, like more people should focus on that. And then like you're saying, it's like pour, pouring more fuel on the fire. Now that you have that dialed, you know, you have a great product. You understand the customer. It's like, how do we find more of these customers and focusing there than like, you know, okay, when we get to a hundred SKUs, then, mm -hmm. then we'll do whatever. And it's like, I think, I think also you being the customer, even with the example of the uh, shaving product, like I couldn't even imagine, like even men's shaving products, it's like, they're terrible and they sting your face and they're, they're yeah. awful still too. And it's just like, you know, no executive in a big company is going to see the opportunity in that product. But like you've been saying, you've like, I've been doing this routine for 10 or 15 years of course, you understand it. And it's like, yep. um, you know, bringing light to that and creating a best in class product. I think that just makes so much sense and says a lot about that 90% retention rate, which is just insane. Yeah, that's yeah. I just uh, that really taught me a lot just then when you said that about the Gatorade and the Red Bulls, because it's just such a good reminder of like, it's clarity for the consumer. And I, I've heard recently, uh, something how uh, brands a lot of times try to change up their like mascot. But like, Cust like we are so we're so familiar with our own brands. We think that everyone out like we think that what we're putting out is like oh this is repetitive this is repetitive, right. and it's like you just have to be consistent because we're getting as consumers. I mean we're getting like pop ups it adds exposure to a million brands, and so if you are like changing up your philosophy and like your structure all the time, like your customer is gonna have no idea what's going on and they're not gonna like understand you. And everyone wants to be connected more to people, not brands. And so like make, humanizing your brand is going to be so much more valuable. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And like to like changing the brand and keeping it simple. Um, I have one last one last brand to end with. Cheez-It does over a billion in revenue. They've been named Cheez-It since 1921. And they're killing it. <laughs> Obviously, that. they're owned by uh, Kellogg. But um, yeah, it's crazy, right? There you go. I know. And people ask, people do ask me all the time, you know, what new products, what it's new, what's new. And it's like, I think we've already now built that framework, that foundation. And now we're just trying to build, you know, from there and not like reinvent, reinvent the wheel with like what we're already doing. Right. And to now point, I can say like, cheese, it does it. So yeah. <laughs> also, their packaging has been the same since pretty much the same timing as well. It was actually you, green packaging in the beginning, but the iconic packaging has been there for like I want to say at least like 75 years or something like that. There you go. Yeah. You just don't want to change too much because people, so I, I think of, I don't know if it was a fast food company or someone that did that, you know, it'd be like Chick-fil-A. It probably took people 10 years to recognize like the cow with the Chick-fil-A, but what if they right. kept changing it? You'd have like, now it's just like, it's the cow. No, it's such it's a good point. It's so hard to stick with it and like, keep it simple, especially when you're looking at your packaging yeah, you're every like, I'm bored. single day. Yeah, when like most people, they look at your package when they buy it and that's it. 
but yeah, no, it's yeah. Been- you can be like your own worst. You can be like your own worst enemy in internally because you're like oh, this. I'm bored. This packaging's yeah, I mean- got to change, but you just got to keep it. Yeah, same with Coca-Cola. Like they haven't even changed the flavor. Like they haven't changed anything for like what two hundred years. I mean, granted, they've. I'm sure they have changed the formula, but like overall, it's like yeah. the same. And it's everywhere in the world. That's what I find is crazy. You go anywhere. It's a Coca-Cola. Like that's the yeah. type of business I want to be in. It has been for a hundred years, and it will probably be for another hundred. It's just mind. I feel like it's having, and that's funny they say that because I feel like Coke and Diet Coke. They're like having a moment right now, and you'd think they're like new products. I, I on social, I notice it from like females on social, everyone's posting a Diet Coke. Everyone. Interesting. Diet Coke's I, back. Are we over Coke Zero? Is is Coke Zero? Yeah, Coke Zero's Coke? done. I mean, I don't okay. yeah, I just only see I feel like Diet Coke is having a moment. I over the past probably year I've noticed it. Wow. I and it's mean, not a Coke, new product. That just shows you it's like same again and again. And true. it always looks the same. What I yeah. love what they did differently was when they did the names on the bottle. I think that was maybe like 10 years ago now. But it's like, okay, now I have a reason to go and dig through an excuse and to buy, buy. but it's the same exact product and share it. Like that was genius. And it's like, you know, it used to be, oh, you're launching e-commerce. You're going to eat the lunch of these big conglomerates. And like, now they're fully caught up. They're doing the TikTok campaigns. They're making up their own songs. They know what's going on. And yeah. um, you just got to be close to the customer. And I think that's exactly what you've done best. And this episode was a great like return to the basics of what's actually important and it might not be as cool to talk about compared to, you know, some crazy advanced analytic strategy that you're doing to reverse engineer, you know, 90% customer retention at scale. Yeah. Um, but it's the real reason for, for well, it's also success. very achievable. It's like, I don't have a, like, I always say like, I don't have a cool story, but I have like a very realistic story that anyone could do. It's like, that's what I think is really cool. I didn't have, you know, some, somebody giving me, you know, million dollars to start a business. I just kind of like saw a problem. So I think what I love about my story is, is that it's like anyone can, it's anyone could do it as long as you're solving a problem. And I think as long as you're answering that question to a consumer, like what's the most common question I get asked? Because I guarantee you that if a lot of people in your life are asking you a question, I bet thousands of other people have it. And if you start posting about it on online where people spend so much of their time, you're going to grow a following because you're adding value. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. It's been, you know, we've, I, I've definitely seen that in practice. Like people, it's like, oh, I love XYZ product. And then they come out with their like better version or it's just something that's missing. And it's, I feel like it's so hard to create something that's missing because it's like, oh, nobody's done this before. We must not need it. But it's like, no, most people are just like you're saying, stuck in that copycat, yep. chasing each other, just making what's trendy at the time. But you know, if you go to any TJ Maxx or whatever retailer, you go in the clearance section, you can see like last season, last year's failed trends that yeah. never <laughs> yeah. stuck. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, it's been amazing to have you on. Before we sign off, any other closing thoughts, words of advice, new products, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? I think the biggest thing that has been most impactful for me is just staying, like I was saying earlier, and I feel like if anyone is wanting to start a business or wanting to like grow their business. I think going back to like complexity, like don't overcomplicate it. There's a way to do things where you are able to grow at scale, but like with very little complexity. And so I think keeping the main thing, the main thing and focusing on profitability instead of like spending all your resources in marketing. Whereas like, if you're, if something's not tracking, then maybe you need to re reinvent like your strategy or, or your business before you start spending millions of dollars in marketing. I think that like 
instantly people think, okay, I got to have investors. I got to spend a lot of money in marketing, but like at least see a little bit of like jump and traction before you start to do all that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, You said a a word that started with a P there, profit profit of what? Profitability. (laughs) No, I'm joking. Oh, (laughs) I was like, is that not a word? (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't. It is now. No, I'm joking. But um, yeah, I think that's super important. I mean, it's like, I love this episode because it's back to what's really important. The customer, uh, keeping it simple, best in class products. And then at the end of the day, it's like that all ties back into profitability. If you have people coming back, you're not going to need the crazy marketing spend versus, you know, somebody just trying your product that's, you know, cool trend once and then, you know, never touching it again, gets all in their drawer, they throw it away, whatever that may be. But um, yeah, no, it's been great to have you on the show and get your perspective. Um, you know, I think Bareface is going to continue to be successful. I think you're thinking about it in all the right ways. And, um, you know, as you continue to evolve, get in front of more eyeballs, but keep that product line, you know, streamlined and best in class, we'll have to have you back and and catch up when you are headlining Coachella as a sponsor and, right. it, and it makes sense and there's an ROI on it. See me at Coachella. All right. Thanks so much, Dylan. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Jordan. Really appreciate you taking the time. We'll link everything up down in the show notes below. Um, check them out. And uh, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast. If you're not subscribed on iTunes or Spotify, go hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you're not on our email list, go sign up at wavebreak.co slash join. You'll join other e-commerce leaders at brands like Skims, Cartier, and Walmart, and thousands more learning exactly what's working in e-commerce right now. You won't want to miss it. Sign up at wavebreak.co slash join. It's free. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day.